don't know me, I'm Gregor, and um, I better stand up here. I'm pretty short. There, there are some, you know, of these stands. How do you call these things? Lectern. Yeah, lectern, whatever. They are like this, and I, if I'm behind, I. Hello. <laughs> this is not so bad. <clears throat> we probably have some other short people around. When you made this. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, we've been visiting United States, and, and this is our home in the United States. We feel so blessed. And my family is here. Maybe you can stand and say hello. And um, we, you know, this is our home in, in America. And, uh, you know, in the end, we rest here. When we return here after our adventures, we were in places like North Wisconsin when bears look up, you know, in the, in the window, you know, at you and things like that. We've been all over the place. And we actually, we met a lady there, older lady, who thought Kayla was my oldest uh, daughter. <laughs> I felt good about Kayla. <laughs> Not so good about myself. <laughs> Um, well, today I, I want to talk about something, um, a question actually, what is the most important thing? What is the most important thing? You know, um, we are in a mission field, we work in a Muslim setting, um, so we, you, you might think we are the super spiritual guys, but life throws so many things at you. You have deadlines, you have paperwork, you have things that you must finish in time. There's this thing here, that thing there. You're running around all, you know, all, all around. Sometimes you forget, you know, why are you doing all these things? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and I guess life is like that everywhere. You know, you, you have all these demands on your time and on your, you know, on, on your energy and finances and resources and things going all around. And there are things that you haven't planned that are coming up and surprises and health problems and, you know, you name it. Life is such many times, but through all these things, what are the things that, what is the thing that is really important? And... As we read the verse um, that, that Mary Kay read, that's part of, of Jesus' prayer in the garden. Last, that last prayer we have recorded of Jesus there. Well, it's not the last words, but probably you know, one of the last longer prayers. And, um, and uh, he is interceding. He's talking to the Father about the disciples and the disciples that will be, be disciples after them and, and all that, and about us today, actually. And he says, um, he's talking about that, and he says uh, to the Father, he's talking to the Father, he says about himself, he says, you've given authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. What is eternal life? It's, Jesus says, that they know you. And then, the only true God, 
in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To know God is eternal life. To know him is eternal life. Now, so much of the gospel we, we, we preach as evangelists and, you know, when we do this, it's like, you know, we're trying to escape hell. And we want to go to a good place, which is heaven. And so, you know, that's about, don't stay, don't go there, come here. But really, eternal life is to know Him. And why is hell a bad place after all? Because it's a place where the goodness of God is not going to be anymore. And in this life, even in this world, even atheists, even people that don't know him, partake of his goodness. You know, Jesus said, the Father makes his son rise and his uh, rain fall on the wicked and the, good, and the righteous, the bad and the good guys. And he says, be perfect. As your Father in heaven is perfect. You know, because He is such, He shows His goodness to everyone. But in, in hell, that's no goodness there. God is not going to be there at all. And that is very bad. But to know Him is eternal life. Now, there is a difference between knowing Him and knowing about Him. And, uh, and Jesus didn't say that eternal life is this, that they may know about you. He said, know you. And uh, one, you know, but what's the difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody? Well, I feel these days as I'm here and I've been around and even in our home country, I know a lot about Donald Trump. <laughs> president. Well, there's all sorts of opinions out there and all sorts of, you know, ideas about him. And I, you hear every day, every day about the president. But, uh, well, I feel like, you know, I know quite a few things now, you know. But uh, the other day, we were in Washington, D.C. And what happens in this trip Everywhere we are going, we have rain and storms and floodings happening. So we are stuck there in the rain. We are not going out because so much rain. And everywhere we go, people are saying, it never rains in summer here. Strange. Never rains in, <laughs> it never rains in D.C. It never rains in Oklahoma City in the summer. Well, we were, we're in the flood there. And it never rains in Kansas, but... You know, lots of rain everywhere we go. And uh, so one day we, we go out to see Washington, D.C. Rain, no rain. We are going out. We are going to do that. We walk that day nine miles. I'm done for this year walking. <laughs> and, um, and then we come to this place, and our friends say, that's Trump Hotel. Well, you can't miss it. It's a big sign. <laughs> but uh, do you want to go inside? and say, well, yeah, why not? Samuel has a picture waiting for Trump there to meet him. And uh, they say, well, he eats lunch there every day. Well, we were kind of late. But the thing is, now, if I was there, well, I, I might say I, I know Trump, you know. But uh, the test would be, would be interesting, actually, if he came by and 
He said hello to me and called me by name and shook my hand. That would be impressive, don't you think? And I can say, well, I know the guy. I really don't. But, you know, that, that would be the kind of test. You know, if, if, if you really know somebody, well, the test is, does that person know you? Would he call you by name? Would he know you personally? And so if we want to know, if, if we know God, it's, it's not just what we know about him, but would he know us? Would he know you? And, um, well, um, Jesus says in the parable in Luke, in, in Luke uh, 23, is a parable, a narrow way. And, and he's talking about that when the master uh, of the house will shut the door and and people would be left standing outside and they're knocking on the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, Jesus says, I do not know you where you are from. And then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. We had even communion. And you told in our streets. But we, he will say, I'll tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Well, these people think they, they know him. You know, we ate in your presence. We've been there. We heard you preaching. We, we were with you. You know, they are surprised that the master of the house, well, this parable is about the kingdom of God. And it's talking actually about how God would treat people, certain people that think know God, but they really don't. And, he, and the point is he doesn't know them. To pray is not to know God. You know, we live, we work among, among Muslims, and they are very religious. They pray five times a day. Now, I don't know, when is your last time that you woke up at 4.30 in the morning to pray? But they do it every day. Well, the ones who are religious. And they pray five times a day. They have a certain time. They stop everything, and they pray. But they pray to a God they, they, they do not know. And they are not supposed even to know. He has, they have no business in getting a re, into a relationship with him. And they, that's not even expected. That's not something you would think about. But they pray. And I think other religions pray. But does that mean these people know God? Praying is not enough to say that I know God. We had this uh, testimony from, from a guy in Kosovo when we were there. This guy named Veli, he was young. As a youth, he had been training into this uh, more uh, radical camps of Islam. They would take this youth into these camps 
And, and, uh, and he said, we woke up every day early in the morning. It was dark to start the day with prayer. But he said, you know what? It was empty. There's nothing there. God was far away. We just did what we had to do. We had no business of getting close to God at all. You're not expected. You just do it. But, and you hope God is receiving that, but you never know. Because you don't know him. <clears throat> in Matthew 20, uh, uh, in Matthew 7, 22, uh, 22 to 23, Jesus takes it this even further when he says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, um, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So that gets a bit confusing and scary, you know. Well, some people think maybe Jesus didn't want them to do these things. They were the, these were the deeds of lawlessness. Well, actually, no. They, they're saying, we are doing your will. You know, these are the things you expect us to do, don't you? Doesn't that mean that we are in, in good standing with you? And, and the answer would be, well, I don't know who you are. And um, well, we're talking about heaven here. It's uh, now. Well, if somebody you have no idea who is would knock on your door and say, "Hey, I'm here to move in with you." What? <coughs> Why? Well, I like your house. I see you have a big house, nice house. You know? And, you know, I think it's a good place for me to live. I'm, I'm moving in. What would you say? You would say, but I don't know who you are. So that's, you know, that's how God is going to say on that day. Well, you want to move with me? Who are you? But Jesus came so that we can know God and, and know him as a father. You know, in the Old Testament, we have all kinds of revelation about God, you know, through the prophets. But when Jesus came, he revealed an aspect of God that was the most important and was missing because no prophet could do that job. Only the Son could do it. And he revealed the Father as he is. Actually, in, uh, in um, Hebrews chapter 1, in the first two verses, it talks about how God in the past, in many ways, he had revealed through the prophets himself to our fathers. But in these last days... It says that he has spoken to us by his son. And then when it, it talks about Jesus, 
it tells that he's the brightness of his glory and the ex ex express image of his person. Now this word, the express image of his person, it can be translated differently in different translations. Somewhere I saw it's like it's the imprint of his nature. But the word in Greek, and I read it myself, <laughs> I don't know Greek like Tom does, but I can check it out once in a while. <laughs> the word in Greek is the word which we use today for character. It's the word actually you read in Greek, it's character. It's just the same word. He is a character of God. He, he shows us how the Father is. His character. So Jesus came us to show God and to help us get to know him as a father. In Matthew 11 to 27, it says that no one knows the father except the son and and uh, the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him, the Father. So only Jesus is able to reveal the Father. He had to come down so we could see how the Father is. No prophet could do that job. The Son had to come to reveal the Father. And actually later he says in John um, 14, he's talking to his disciples in that last supper they are together. I think they get a lot confused during that time. They don't understand a lot of things. But he, he says in verse 7, If you had known me, you would have known my, my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And they are like, what? You know, Philip is a show us the Father, you know. What well, Jesus is, you have seen him. Wow, well, where? We don't see him. And then Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So, Jesus came so we would know the Father. He came to show us how the Father is. He, he came to make him known to us. And many people, I mean many religions, just, just because, you know, if you don't know God, all the facts you think you know about him, probably a lot of them are wrong. Because there is a knowledge that comes through knowing him that cannot come by knowing about him. Muslims think they, they know things about God. They, they are not expected to know him, but they think they know a lot about him according to their Quran. And some of the facts are, you know, they're right probably. And a lot of them are, are, are really wrong and scary. But... Uh, we had this girl, um, 
who is starting to come to our meetings. And she's drawn by the love she sees and thinks she's surprised. They think, she thinks that the Muslims are the best people. And, uh, and then she bumps into some Christians and uh, she's thinking now, you know, uh, about these things. But she's coming to the meetings. And one day during Ramadan time, they fast during the day. That she decided to come to join us in a picnic. She said, I can break the fast for the day and I will, you know, kind of replace it. I'll do an extra day or two later. You can do this thing. See, even if you don't want to fast or can't, you can pay cash, money, or whatever. Yeah, you really, you go to the mosque, you pay, and, uh, you know, they decide how much you should pay, and, uh, and then you're off. <clears throat> uh, but anyway, uh, she decides to do this, and, and then that evening, when she's cooking at home for the guests that come when they break the fast, they have a feast every night. It's very expensive. That month, you know, it's very expensive for, for the Muslims. And, and she got burned, you know, accidentally. And next day, she is, you know, she has a burned arm here. And, um, and she said, well, Allah did this to me because I broke the fast. That's a God she knows about. And that Sunday when she came to church next Sunday to our meeting, we were talking about God's character and, how, and about the Father. And, um, and these are some of the verses maybe we're talking about. It's in, in Matthew 7, 9 to 11. Jesus talks about how the Father is. And he says, What man is there among you who, if son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Now, bread and fish, at that time, we don't think about that that way today, but it's like having a hamburger, you know, in the States. In Albania, have something else, but here it would be a hamburger. <clears throat> and, and Jesus is saying this, if, and then he says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? And this girl, after, you know, we talked about a few things and we were asking questions and talking. And afterwards, she said, I have a few questions after the meeting was over. For about an hour, we were talking to her. She wanted to know everything about Jesus. Only through Jesus, we can know the Father. And the reason why he came was that we could have this life. And the life is knowing God and knowing him as a father. No other religion offers something like that. All the religions will give you a lot of things to do, a lot of 
do's and don'ts. A lot of half hopes for eternity. But nobody would offer you to know God as your father. And you know in Islam this idea is they reject it completely. Well, God cannot be a father because he cannot have children. That's why they say Jesus could not be God's son because God cannot have children. You know, if Jesus is not his son, then he cannot have any other sons or daughters. And they reject completely the idea of adoption, even humanly speaking. Um, the prophet Muhammad, their prophet, he had an adopted son. And, and he ended up stealing his wife, the wife of his adopted son. And he just expelled him. And, and, and Allah told Muhammad at a certain point in time, that was a mistake. You adopted a son. Adoption is forbidden. So they don't adopt. So the whole concept of adoption is forbidden. The whole idea of sonship and, and having God as your father is rejected. And you talk about Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist. I think that you cannot be any, any other place that that spirit is manifested so strongly. It's completely the opposite of what the Bible teaches. But on that resurrection morning, you know, who was the, that person, the first person who, who saw Jesus? You remember? Who was it? It was Mary, wasn't it? And she was super excited. First she didn't recognize him, but then he re she recognized him. She wanted probably to hug him and, you know, be there and hang around and had, she probably had many questions to ask and you know she wanted to sit down and talk and, and Jesus said to her do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father but go to my brethren and say to them listen Jesus he did well he was going to meet the disciples later but he wanted something to tell him urgently <laughs> before he was going to meet them go and tell my brother and say to them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God so Jesus is saying whatever the father has been all this time for me is going to be for you I, now you know, it's the same father. It's my father, but now it's your father too. And that's the first thing he said. He wanted his disciples to know and be sure about it. Jesus has made this possible for us. He, he went to the cross... He endured all the mocking and the suffering and the shame and the ridicule, you know, ridicule and uh, the pain 
in that separation from the Father because he took our sins and he paid everything. He paid our debts. So we could have his righteousness and by his clothed with his righteousness he would represent, present us to the Father and the Father would take us in as adopted children. It's there. He died for that. And he rose again. And then he sent the Holy Spirit. That the Father can actually live in us. That's why. Boy, huh? That's, that's something you don't hear anywhere else. That's the good news. And I, I, in the first service, I thank Tom. And I want to thank you again, Tom. Thank you that that you were one of the first people to show me these things. And it's such a privilege to know him. We don't deserve it. It's not because we are good or we are better than others who don't know him. He wants everybody to come and join. And if you are not sure until this moment, you know, what, what, do you know God or you just know about him? You can make that step. Jesus has paid the price. You can change your mind. You can repent. Say, okay. I want to believe. Jesus paid my, my sins. and I'll come in. Take upon myself his righteousness. And I will be introduced to the Father. He has come that you may know him. And you might have eternal life by knowing him personally as your father. Well, God bless you all. Maybe let's pray and, uh, and, and then close it here. Father, we thank you that you want us to know you in most intimate way as our Precious, precious Father who loves us, who takes pride in us as the Father does in his children. We thank you that you opened the way for this through Jesus' blood, through his sacrifice, through his death and the resurrection, and by sending the Holy Spirit to live in us. We thank you, Father, that today we can call you Abba, Father. And for any Lord here who need to do that, maybe they've never been sure about it, I pray that this will be a good day. We thank you so much for everything you are to us. In Jesus' name, amen.